The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. IEA Executive Director Fatih Birol standing by for us. Uh, so thank you very much for your time. Let's start then with your view on prices for oil, or at least where, where you see the demand picture heading uh, in the months ahead through this year. Is the demand picture starting and um, continuing to soften? Uh, where do you see prices by year end, sir? So uh, this year, 2024, we expect uh, oil uh, demand growth to be significantly weaker uh, than uh, last year, 2023. Uh, the increase, we expect about 1.2, 1.3 uh, million barrels per day, mainly as a result of the slowing down of the economic growth China, but uh, as well, and also electrification of the transportation system, more electric cars coming in the picture. This is on the demand side. On the supply side, mm. uh, the, the growth coming from Americas, namely US, uh, Canada, Brazil, and Guyana, this growth, uh, to all put all together, is uh, uh, more than enough to meet the global oil demand growth. So in the absence of major uh, geopolitical turmoil or major extreme weather events, uh, we would expect a rather a comfortable uh, oil market and comfortable uh, moderate uh, price evolution uh, throughout 2024. Okay, moderate price evolution throughout 2024 because that supply is there, as you say, from the Americas, but demand is going to be softer. And of course, you make that that key caveat around geopolitical risks. Does that take then give us some comfort when it comes to the question of inflation, Fatty? Do you think that we are past the big concern, at least around the resurgence of inflation when it comes to the energy component and the energy mix in that inflation story? Yeah. at least what I can say, if again, uh, if there are no geopolitical escalation in Middle East, uh, we are seeing a, a tension growing and then again uh, uh, reducing. And if we don't see any extreme weather events in North America and uh, elsewhere, I would say that the, the oil prices uh, remain at uh, around current levels would help uh, the inflation not to further increase. So as such, it would be a good news for the uh, global economy, especially in the emerging countries. Fatih, it's Kriti Gupta in London. OPEC Plus has time and time again talked about physical tightness in this oil market. And it's that physical tightness that helps them kind of regulate some, some of the oil prices to perhaps a lot of the consuming economies kind of... Um, uh, demise, to be be completely honest. Talk to us a little bit about whether the United States, an extra supply that you touted, distorts the oil picture. Are you concerned at all about oversupply from the U.S.? 
uh, no, I think the growth coming from United States is uh, welcome for the oil markets uh, because, as I said, demand is uh, weaker than last year, but still significant 1.2, 1.3 million barrels per day. And the U.S. bringing a significant amount of oil is a very good news for the consumers, for the global economy, for inflation, as, uh, as well as coming from Canada, Brazil and uh, Guyana. The Americas altogether uh, cover uh, the global oil demand uh, uh, growth and put a, a downward pressure on the uh, prices and reduce the room of maneuver for uh, the countries who want to control the uh, oil production and uh, consequently the prices. Is this a good time, though, for that to actually happen in the context of some of the tensions we're seeing in the Red Sea? Several oil tankers being hit uh, in, in, in that part of the world, in addition to longer fuel times, more labor. Fatih, when do the Red Sea tensions show up more aggressively in the oil price? I think uh, currently when we look at the, uh, the picture in, in the Middle East, uh, we don't see uh, uh, any of the uh, major producing countries are affected uh, from uh, those attentions and the, uh, the transition routes becoming longer. They may have some uh, marginal effect on the prices. Uh, my worry is if we see uh, uh, one or more than one uh, major oil producing countries uh, is directly involved in the uh, current crisis, and if we see escalation of the issue, uh, the situation, this may well definitely push the prices uh, up, and this will be definitely not mm. uh, good news for the global economy. And, and certainly that is a risk, no doubt, that OPEC Plus are, are factoring in. They have their cuts coming through till the end of March. Are you see, are you seeing compliance with, with those with those OPEC Plus cuts in terms of the output fatty? And do you expect OPEC Plus that cartel to push out those cuts further into the year? So I think the, the by and large, there is a good discipline there when we look at the numbers and what they are going to decide for the next steps, of course, up to those countries. But as we discussed a few minutes ago, the, the inflation is a major risk for the global economy. And I think we all need to avoid to take steps which will which would fuel the inflation including the higher energy prices, higher oil prices than we have now. Mm. What is the demand picture looking like out of China at this point? Uh, Chinese uh, demand is uh, uh, weakening compared to uh, last year for uh, two reasons. One, uh, the Chinese economy is uh, slower compared to last year. And the second, the, uh, the uh, electrification of the transportation sector. As we speak now, Every second car sold in China is an electric car. So, uh, therefore, uh, the, uh, in addition to the slowing down of the economy, demand is getting weaker uh, because of the transportation sector electrifications uh, continuing, and it will continue in China and uh, also uh, beyond. 
Fati, a, a big question around one of the calls that the IEA has made in the past, which is that oil demand will actually decrease by 2030 in response to some of the clean energy initiatives around the world. Well, since then, you have seen several governments around the world pull back on some of those clean energy initiatives simply because they are touted as being too expensive. President Trump itself has been talking about creating more and more growth in the oil sectors within the U.S., which, of course, creates a lot of the GDP there. Talk to us about how the IEA is thinking about the effects of a Trump presidency. Yeah. So first of all, we said you are right. Global oil demand uh, would peak before uh, 2030. It will not uh, stop or uh, go down from overnight uh, to, to zero, but peak before 2030 for two reasons. One, the uh, clean energy uh, is moving fast, faster than many people realize. Uh, just last year, 2023, more than 80% of all new power plants built in the world uh, were renewables. And about 5% nuclear power, only the rest uh, fossil fuels. This is nothing to do with the climate, but it's more because of the, uh, the uh, cheaper. Second, electric cars, they are booming across the world. For nuclear power, we see a major uh, comeback. They will weaken the uh, global oil demand growth and plus i think we should see what is happening in china in the last 10 years more than two-thirds of the global oil demand growth came from china only and chinese economy increased uh, more than six percent per year and chinese economy is mm. slowing down and therefore it is a uh, uh, demand so putting uh, these things together, slower Chinese economy, which is the single most important driver of oil demand growth, and the clean energy mm. transition around the world, we think uh, we are going to see before 2030 a peak of oil demand. And we are not the only one. After we said it, several companies, oil yeah. and gas companies in Europe, repeated the same thing. Okay, so you still see that peak in terms of oil demand by t before 2030. When it comes to the transition story, then briefly, before we let you go, yes, some oil companies here in Europe are investing around that, that, that transition, but frankly, it's pretty marginal, and their US counterparts are barely doing anything at all. What would you like to see in terms of the policy prescription to encourage those oil majors to do more to fund that transition? So uh, many oil and gas companies, they are leaders, in Europe, United States, and even Middle East and uh, elsewhere, they are saying uh, their companies are on one hand uh, continuing with their traditional uh, operations, but for them, climate change, uh, uh, clean energy is very important. And when you look at their speeches, statements, strategic uh, documents, big chunk of it is uh, dedicated to their efforts. They are claiming they are doing on clean energy. But at the IEA, we look at the numbers. When we look at the numbers, uh, uh, 2023, uh, only 2.5% of the yeah. investment, the oil industry, oil and gas industry goes to clean energy, 97.5% uh, the uh, fossil fuels. What I wish from them, that there is at least a similarity uh, 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 in the, how much they dedicate their speech to clean right. energy and uh, their uh, investment portfolios.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.